0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is a podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today on the show is somebody who a lot of you have recommended strongly in the past that we have on the show. It's Elizabeth Jansen. Elizabeth is somebody who is very open about many aspects of her life, and in a very tragic sense, her older brother unexpectedly passed away at a very young age. Uh, he was around 24 or so, and it had a huge effect on Elizabeth. It actually kind of started, um, kind of started her running career, uh, as you'll hear her talk about in this episode. And in addition to that, she has battled uh, binge eating disorder uh, throughout a good portion of her life, and. She is uh, a very candid about all this stuff and very thoughtful, so it's, uh, it's an episode that I think a lot of people can get uh, a variety of things from, not only people who have dealt with loss and are dealing with eating disorders or things along those lines, but those of us who know people who have gone through those sorts of things, so... It's uh something I'm very thankful for uh Elizabeth for coming on the show and sharing her thoughts and feelings and experiences uh and also her running career. You know, she's also a good runner who has uh you know, aspiring to uh to do uh Boston qualifying uh plus get a Boston qualifying time, excuse me, in the near future. And she's come a long way in her running and she's got big goals for uh the short and long term. So I uh, hope you like what you hear. Thank you for everybody who is suggesting different people to have on the show. It's, it's something that I really value because some of the people that you suggest I may know of or I may have already contacted. However, there are definitely other people who I, have, I don't know at all, especially if they're a little bit more private. They're not on social media. I may have no way of uh, of knowing who they are or what they're up to. So if you have people like that, feel free to pass their names along. It's always fun to have new people on the show, uh, especially people who might not be known to the the, uh, the greater audience. So thank you for that. I hope you like this episode with Elizabeth Jansen.
1: Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me today.
0: It's my pleasure. It's so great to have you on. Thank you. I, uh, I've been following you, running for a while. I'll tell you, you do a really good job. Um, you know, through your website and through Instagram, of really kind of keeping people engaged with what you got going on as a runner. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. that.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I like updating it and just letting know people how training's going because, you know, one day it could be – you could be feeling like you're on top of the world one day and then maybe later in the week you have a run and you're like, oh, nothing's changing. This is really, really hard. So it's nice to be able to update people because – um, it's every day is different. Every day is a different experience with it. So,
0: yeah. you no, know, that's for sure. And I love the post that you put up two days ago. It wasn't what I was expecting. So I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna read it verbatim because it really like it's kind of a tease in a way. All right. Yeah. So here it is. These are your words. If you would have told me three years ago when I was 25 pounds heavier that one day I'd be a 3:45 Boston, 3:44 marathoner chasing Boston in a sub three. And even faster than that, I would have said, "Yep, you're right." And yeah. was, I remember when I read that, I was like, "I know this. I know how this sentence is going to end," and like it totally threw me for a loop. So I guess, first of all, what gave you that confidence to uh, to kind of have that mindset that you're talking about?
1: Well, I fell in, I fell in love with running, you know, five years ago, but I wasn't nearly you know, as good in shape as I am now. And like the post said, I was 25 pounds heavier. I could barely run three miles on the treadmill, but I wanted so badly to be where I am today and to even be a stronger runner than I am today. And I just, I knew I could do it. I am such, I'm just a very goal oriented person and I like a good challenge. And I knew it was going to take a lot of time, and I knew there were going to be so many struggles, but, hey, why not? Other people can do it. Why can't I? Of course I can. So, yeah, even though, you know, a few years ago I wasn't in the position to be where I am today, but that doesn't mean I don't think I can't do it. I'm, And that's kind of where I still am today. I'm not quite where I want to be, but I'm going to be there one day. So I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. <laughs>
0: I love it. So for you, when did becoming or when did you realize that you were a goal-oriented person? Like when did when did, you know, achieving goals kind of manifest itself in your life?
1: Um, I think deep down that's always who I've been, but I think you know, ever since I started chasing running as passionately as I do today, little by little I discovered that hey, I wanted to do, you know, run a mile at this pace, and I just ran it five seconds faster. Wow. Next time I want to run it ten seconds faster. And then I would accomplish that. And then that just kind of overflowed into other aspects of my life. And I kept proving to myself little by little that, you know, you can do anything that sets your heart on fire. You just have to believe in yourself and try, again, if, it doesn't work the first time, the second time, the fifth time. Just keep at it, and that determination. With that determination, you'll get there. And like I said, that's really running has proved that proven that to me. But it's it's shown me in all aspects of my life that I can really do anything and accomplish anything.
0: And you're very open about your goals. Like mm-hmm. you put it right out there that you want to be. A Boston marathon qualifier. Yeah. You want to run a, a sub three hour marathon, yeah. which is obviously an enormous goal yes. for anybody, mm-hmm. but even for, for a woman, that's, you know, it's a very, very difficult goal to get to. Yeah. So what is the psychology for you about kind of making that public and putting it out there for everyone to see?
1: Honestly, it, when I say things out loud, It just makes me feel like an even stronger person because it shows me that I'm so confident, but also that I just have so much belief in myself that I can, that if I'm brave enough to say it out loud, then I really know that I can do it. Um, And I, and I like, I like hearing other people's goals. I find them motivating. And I, I think people hopefully might find my goals motivating for themselves and it might help someone else think hey, she's going to try to get this really hard thing to do, that means that I I can do this really hard thing that I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, I can say that for me, there's definitely people in my life that I've seen do that, and it resonates. Yeah. That's something that that inspires me for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with that comes, you know, the, the potential cost of like, hey, if I'm not getting there, if I'm not improving, if I'm not achieving it, yeah. You know, is there a certain accountability that comes along with that, too, besides just the idea of motivating yourself?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want to say something and then, like, not really believe. Like, I don't want to say something that I don't totally believe in. Um, so that's something that I do kind of keep in mind when I'm making my posts, but I do, yeah, I find them very accountable. And because I, I have so much passion for running. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm just excited to chase everything and to chase all my goals.
0: Yeah. And that really does shine through that you're, you're a pretty, uh, pretty energetic person. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And, you know, you, you really do a good job of, of kind of cultivating um, I guess your social media community in a way, or even with your website as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you started chronicling your running, yeah. did you think that this was a potential offshoot of what you were doing?
1: Absolutely not. I, I, When I started running like as seriously as I am now, I think that was probably three and a half years ago. I, I mean, I first made my Instagram account for purely weight loss. Like that's what it was for. I thought maybe like, 20 people would follow me on Instagram. I didn't think it would be anything where it is today, but I just realized that the more I was honest about my entire journey, the more that attracted people and the better I felt about it because I was being completely true to myself. And, and I was also, my entire journey is, not only dedicated to myself and bettering myself, but it's dedicated to my brother. And I just want to share the struggles that I've gone through and how I've continued to overcome them. So I thought, like, making a website, people could relate to that and, and, like, the posts on that. And I just – I'm so happy where I am today.
0: Yeah. So what prompted you to start it right in the beginning when you – like you said, you were having – because they set it up as a weight loss mm-hmm. thing. So what about making it public right from the jump for you was something that you wanted to be involved in? Um,
1: I mean, I started seeing like, I started research, not researching, but it's kind of scrolling through Instagram. And I guess you could say I was creeping on other people's Instagram profiles. And I, I don't know. I, I had, I've, my weight has fluctuated a lot throughout my life. Um, and I knew when I started losing weight this last time that this was going to be it. This, I was going to lose it. I was going to keep it off, um, no matter what. And I wanted to try something new with it. So I'd feel more accountable and more dedicated and more successful. And I thought, why not just take pictures of my food and upload them for people to see. And, and um it kind of just went from there i became a more self confident person through it um and i was inspired by so many other people and then the the healthier i became the better at running i got and that that's kind of when it took the turn from a weight loss account to to running and i and i just went with it
0: right and for you when did it go from like hey this is just something i do You know, just as as an accountability mechanism, Mm -hmm. and just kind of a fun way to keep track of what I've been up to. Mm -hmm. When did it go from that to like, wow, like a lot of people are following me now? Like, what's going on?
1: Yeah. Um. I so I started the entire account in the beginning of January of 2015, and then I ran my first marathon in June of 2015. I'd say around the beginning of 2016, um, I really made. The switch. I still did some food posts. Um but I think once I hit a few thousand followers I I uh was like, Hey, this is a lot bigger than I ever
0: thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Especially because when you started out like it wasn't you know, it's not like you had this grand plan. I guess but that's I guess that's why it was so popular too. Yeah. Was that it it wasn't like this this like overly commercialized process thing. No. People really kind of got involved with like the nitty-gritty of your story.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which kind of leads me to, you know, for people who don't know you, you know, what was the initial motivation um to run and if you could, you know, kind of talk a little bit about your brother and kind of how his passing Um, kind of tied into that. Mm -hmm.
1: So my elder brother passed away unexpectedly two days before my senior year of college started. And I had a very heavy um, workload my entire senior year. In the fall, I was taking six courses. I had an on-campus job, you know, starting to think about post-graduation, you know, finding a full-time job. And I'm, it's the day of moving into your senior year apartments and I get down to Richmond where I went to school and move in. And that night I get the phone call that my brother was killed in the rock side. And I'm like, you know, the worst, it was just the worst thing ever. And I was home. I went home with my family and a, I think about a week later they came to me and they said, you know, you do whatever you want to do. If you want to take more time off, and be here that's fine if you feel the need to go back to school and be you know in a in a in a environment where everywhere you look doesn't remind you of what's going on you know that's fine you do whatever you want and i the goal oriented little flame inside of me thought you know what i really need to keep busy i i want to graduate with my friends i want to find a good job i want to finish my coursework and so i went back to school and at school i was feeling very overwhelmed with everything and so i remember just running one day and it it was probably two miles but back then it seems like probably a marathon and i got back to my apartment and i was just like so out of breath but i felt like much more relieved in a way. Um, Like in my mind right away that running did it for me. So it's not like I went out for a run every single day, but probably maybe twice a week I tried to run two miles. It was really little. Um, But then I, over the the year following that, when I moved to Boston, um, running became a bigger part of my schedule and I slowly but surely realized, Hey, this is totally exhausting and really hard and I need to lose weight and get in good shape, but it's the best feeling in the world. So I just went with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's the worst feeling in the world. I did a truck workout. today. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's
1: true. <laughs> no, but, not but,
0: um, <laughs> and, uh, no, but so, Going back to what you said earlier, how you started, you kind of picked up running slowly but surely uh, after his passing, what was your athletic background prior to your senior year of college and specifically like those first three years of college?
1: Um, great question. I would do about 30 minutes on the elliptical and probably break a little bit of a sweat and call it a day. I never did weights. I had no idea what to do with weights. Um, So that pretty much sums up my first three years of college. In high school, I really liked soccer when I was growing up. Played that for about ten years. And then in high school, I ran track and cross-country, but I did it to be involved in a sport, meet new people, do something with friends, and get exercise. It wasn't like I was anything amazing.
0: But you did have a little bit of background too, so you weren't like a complete novice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Got it. So, so with that being the case, though, it it sounds like it was a real surprise to you that the running kind of aided you mentally and emotionally.
1: Mm Hmm. Yes, it was.
0: So, say so the early on after your your brother passed, how much of your running, if you had to give it a percentage? How much of it was based on you wanted to, you know, get the physical benefits of running and how much of it was getting the mental and emotional benefits from running?
1: Um, I think in the very beginning, it was probably 25% physical and 75% mental, emotional. Um, I, I knew I had wanted to lose weight, so deep down I did want that physical part to grow. Um, and help me lose weight, but I think being so, like, numb and in such a vulnerable state of life, I just needed anything to kind of uh, manage my emotions, and running, I saw that running was becoming that thing.
0: And would you plan these runs out, or would it be more reactive, like, wow, today's a really bad day, I should go for a run?
1: I didn't plan them out. Um, I think it was just when I had free time and it was sunny and warm outside. Um, Otherwise, I would head to the treadmill. Um, And I wouldn't plan out a distance either. I think if I was outside, because I was a pretty new runner, like I didn't really know what distances, you know, were, Um, I think I probably just did, like, two miles. Like, I ran a mile, saw a fence, and said, I'm going to run to that fence, and I'm going home because I'm tired.
0: And would you have the same benefit mentally and emotionally if you ran outside versus if you ran inside on a treadmill?
1: I think, and I still kind of feel this way, running outside does a little something extra for me. Um, I totally think, I mean, I run on the treadmill a lot. Um, and I, obviously I think it's a, it's perfectly fine to train on the treadmill. And I think the treadmill really helps build your mental toughness, but being outside and in nature with the fresh air really does something a little bit extra for me. So over the past few years, I've, I've, um, I've, I've taught myself that, you know, if you can train, I mean, if you can race in freezing rain or, really, really cold and on a windy day and it's really cold, you better do your training runs outside. So unless there's black ice, I'll be outside.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. That's that's for sure. I've I've experienced that as well, the black ice effect. Um, I mean, there's even been studies that have shown, and I'm blanking now on the book I read that kind of chronicled it, that just being outside in nature, whether you're running or going for a hike or literally just sitting on a park bench, Mm -hmm. that that can have such a positive benefit um, to your mental health versus just being inside and not even doing something mentally taxing inside, just being inside.
1: Exactly, yeah. And my brother, he was a really um, big mountain climber and skier. My whole family loves to ski, and that's my parents and I, love doing anything outside anything in the mountains to just kind of help with our, um, you know, mentality and with our emotions. It's, it's been really helpful for us in our healing.
0: And when did you transition from running to help deal with the loss of your brother to then running to kind of like to honor him?
1: Um, I think that's a good question. I think it was, I didn't, I don't think it took too long um, for me to make that transition. I think I did a turkey trot right after the, probably the Thanksgiving after graduating from college. And I was really proud of myself. I don't think I kept, you know, time, I don't think I watched my speed or watched my time as I was running. I just remember feeling really proud crossing the finish line and getting a medal. And thinking of my brother during the run because it was in the neighborhood where we grew up, and I posted on Facebook. I I said something like, I "Can't wait to do more runs for you" or something, and it just kind of went from there.
0: Now, when you're running, and I guess there's a range here versus like when you when you're running, you know, three years ago to when you're running today. Um, how often do you do you think about him during your runs? Because you really dedicate a lot of your running life
1: yeah. to
0: him. Um, how often does he pop up in your you know in your thoughts? And how much of that is you know you purposefully thinking about him versus it just yeah. kind of organically happening? Um.
1: So I feel like if I have ever have a really hard speed workout or tempo run, I think about him and i think okay robert please help me get through this cuz this is really going to hurt something like that um but sometimes on recovery runs where i'm t- just taking it really slow and just completely zoning out and not really focusing on anything i've noticed that um i i my mind just tends to wander and it always ends on him um A lot of songs I listen to on Spotify remind me of him. I listen to some of his favorite artists. And every now and then, I like running around a a reservoir here in Boston, and every now and then, the sun just comes out from behind a huge pack of clouds, and I feel it on my face, and I'm just like, oh, hi, Robert, you know, running for you. And I just get so happy, and that really... And then that makes my mind wander to the day I BQ and I just get all all the feels and I just visualize myself and what's to come and I just get so um, excited about the future.
0: I can only imagine how that feels for you because as you were telling that story, I had a huge smile on my face. Like it made oh. me feel good. Oh great. You know, hearing you tell that story about like you know the sun coming out and yeah. all that um, so I can only imagine how that feels for you. And, yeah. and, you know, over that three years from January, 2015, when yeah. you, as you put it, that's when you really started taking running, you know, very seriously yeah. to shoot now. So we're in February, 2018, yeah. um, over that three year span, you've done a ton of races. So, yeah. I mean, why do you choose to race so often? It's almost come out to like basically averaging like one a month.
1: I know. I, I was kind of thinking about that the other day. Um, I don't know. I, I, I always like to have a big race on my schedule, at least one big race, you know, in the spring and then one in the fall. But I like to sprinkle little races around it. Um, I just like the feeling of running with a lot of people and in a new, in a new state, in a new town, Um, And I just get really excited when a race is coming up. I like that feeling. Um, But something I like to do is if I'm training for a marathon, say, I don't know, I'm running one in April or something, I like to give myself time after the marathon to recover. But then, you know, I just spent so many months getting in stellar shape. Why not use that and sign up for a half marathon a month later? and use everything I've learned and go for a half marathon PR, then do a 5k, go for a 5k PR. You know, why give myself four months of or three months of low key time to then start a new training cycle when I can run shorter races and hopefully get a PR. Um, so that's what I like to do personally.
0: Got it. That's a good point. Yeah. And that there's also trouble in doing like the three month late, you know, layoff. You yeah. know, I know for me, if I do that, oh goodness, I'm always starting back at square one. That's yes. been one of my biggest issues as a runner is that I'm not good at taking time away.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because it's hard for me to start building the habit back in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I know some people love that time away. For me, it's not it's not the best. So it's almost like I'm better off not running marathons because that way I can stay engaged with my training plans.
1: Exactly. I like I like training honestly just as much as running the races. So I like having that structure and looking forward to a
0: training run every day. Yeah, and you mentioned something on Instagram a little while ago, too, that I thought was very interesting. Again, it goes back to the fact that you are very open, and mm-hmm. I think it, you're so relatable in a lot of ways because of it. And you talked about um, National Eating Disorder Awareness Week mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the month. And for you, how has that been a struggle for you working through uh, you know, binge eating disorder?
1: Yeah, so I've I've suffered from BED for a really, really long time. Um I had it before my brother passed away, though I don't think way back then, you know, he passed away five and a half years ago. I don't think back then I really knew quite what it was. I didn't I don't I didn't think I had an eating disorder. I just thought I was kinda weird with eating. Um and you know, I I think it's definitely affected my training in a way. um, Because, you know, binging, I would binge on not great foods. And of course, that putting all that into my body, my body would, you know, has stored some of that. And and I think I would be definitely a better runner. um, If I didn't have binge eating disorder, but also running has helped me overcome that. Running has helped me lose 20 pounds, 25 pounds in a healthy manner and has helped me keep it off, which was something I've never been able to do. Um, and really running has helped me manage my emotions and I've made the transition from managing my emotions with food to managing my emotions through running. Um, and, but, but, yeah, B E D. It was. It's been a difficult journey to get through,
0: for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned before that that you know five and a half, six, seven years ago that you didn't necessarily know that you had a disorder. Yeah. You just you you were you were you know, as you put it, you know, kind of had a weird relationship with food. Yeah. So, so did putting a name on it kind of help you work through it or work around it?
1: Absolutely. I was honestly so relieved when it was pinpointed you have BED I was like thank goodness there's like there's I know what it is finally because I for so many years I was wondering what what is wrong with me why do I scarf down all this food when I'm really really upset or really really stressed like is this normal this isn't normal um so I I was so happy when I finally figured out what it was and I could just go from there
0: So for you, obviously when your brother passed, that's an obvious trigger, but what other triggers did you have that would kind of, kind of make BED, you know, more likely to kind of take over, you Mm -hmm. know, your life at that moment?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it, it became, to be honest, like if I dropped something and it broke, that would really upset me. And then that would make me binge. Um, if I was just feeling really stressed and overwhelmed with, with schoolwork, I'm also in graduate school. So if I was feeling really stressed and overwhelmed with, you know, assignments and getting things done and finals, that would, you know, I would binge instead of like doing the work. Um, if I was really tired, sometimes I would binge. Uh, it, it was really, really little things. Like, like I said, dropping something and having a break or, you know,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I hear you.
1: Getting locked. Yeah, so. And, and so really anything.
0: And I'm sorry to jump in there, but I had like I couldn't help but but ask, as a marathoner now, I mean everyone under everyone who's run a marathon knows, the hunger pains that affect every marathoner. You're you're hungry every two hours, yeah. like your hunger is insatiable. So right. yo, know, so that's kind of an awkward thing. I would assume, like, how do you manage that feeling? with knowing that you have this history and this disorder that you want to make yeah. sure doesn't, you know, negatively affect your life.
1: Yeah. So I've been working with um, a dietitian, and she has really helped me figure out not only um, how much food I need as a marathoner um, and to keep a healthy body for training all these insane miles, but what kinds of foods to eat when I am hungry um, and like you said when I when I didn't really know it was BED I would probably eat the same amount of calories I am today but just not the right food and I would I would binge on things I told myself were bad like carbs dessert cereal I would scarf all those things down and then I would the binge is like an out-of-body experience and I would go into that like, weird trans and eat all this food and then I would come out of it and think oh my gosh I just ate all this food I cannot I'm I'm telling myself no cereal for a month nothing um when you know it is okay to have those things in moderation but my dietitian really showed me that you know you can have a cookie at night have a cookie every night I want you to have one every night but just have one and then that'll That'll keep you satisfied. Um, and she's really opened my eyes and I feel I just feel so much better.
0: That's interesting. She says I want you to have one. It's almost like she's taking the stigma off the dessert, and by taking the stigma yeah. off of it, it makes it something that's uh, pardon the poor choice of words, more palatable, I guess. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm 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 really lucky to be able to work with her and I'm excited to see Reflect in my running
0: and you've mentioned before a couple times not only on this podcast but in your writings whether it's on your facebook or on social media you know how much pounds you've lost but there's your body transformation has been has been more to it than just weight loss like you're a lot stronger now than you were before
1: i'm so much stronger yeah i i like i said earlier i didn't lift weights in college i didn't really know how i was really scared to go to the upper level of the gym at my school because that's where all the guys hung out and lifted all the weights, and I didn't know how to use the machines, and I didn't want to, like, read the instructions and look confused and and be that girl. Um, But once I moved to Boston and joined a gym, I thought, you know what? No one pays attention to anyone but themselves at the gym. No one's going to watch what I'm doing (laughs) and kind of scrutinize me just do it, Elizabeth. So I, I asked someone, I asked a trainer at the gym to just show me around one day, and he did and wrote everything down for me. I was like, great, thanks. And I just went with it, and I've been upping my weights. I've been feeling stronger going to classes. Um, and now I like going to the gym and lifting the weights. It makes me feel really strong. So yeah, I'm definitely keeping that in my routine. It
0: does. It definitely does have that positive benefit, like you feel different you know? Yeah. And then have you noticed it in terms of, in ter- have you noticed that it has positively affected your running at all?
1: Yes, I feel, yes, definitely. I, I see more muscle definition, um, in my body and something I noticed actually on Monday when I was going for a run, I went out and I was running paces that I didn't, expect to be running just a lot faster than I thought I was going to be running. And I was in my last mile and I had been negative splitting the run. And I thought, okay, you know, this is, this is your last mile. Get after it, go for it. And my quads were just on fire. And I remember in that last mile, I was thinking, this is reminding me when I'm at the leg press machine and my quads are on fire, but I have to finish my set of 10 or 12 or whatever. And I was thinking, just do it. you felt this burn before. You can get through it. It's just temporary. And just having that, like, mental conversation in my mind got me through that last mile. And I felt so good.
0: That's great. Because that, that hits on a couple of things. Like, what you just mentioned, obviously, is a big motivational thing. And you can, you know, push through a tough workout. But at the same time, a lot of runners are a little weary. Of, of lifting yeah. legs, especially if they're new because mm-hmm. they know that, like, hey, you know, anyone who's ever lifted legs before knows that when you start doing it, like, you're going to be sore. Like, there's just no way yes. around it. So, like, right. you know, so it's different than when it's your upper body, you're like, yeah, it's sore, but I can still go for my run. Like, this isn't affecting yeah. my actual output. But being sore as a runner has, like, you know, there's a little scariness there. And, you know, you don't want to mess mm-hmm. up your routine just so you can, like, do the leg press machine.
1: Right, exactly. Um so I try to do I actually try to do my really hard leg strengthening routine immediately following a tempo run or a speed workout. So I keep so I like combine the two really, really hard leg things on one day. So it's just a really hard day.
0: Right. And that way you're able to recover on your easy day instead of like making your exactly. easy day like half easy, half lifting. Exactly. Oh that's great. So hey, we're in February two thousand eighteen. What's on tap for you? What are you working hard to uh, to accomplish?
1: Yeah, so uh, surprise, surprise, I'm going for a BQ. I'm um, only signed up for two races this spring at the moment. Um, the first one is the Newport Marathon in Newport, Rhode Island on April 14th.
0: All right, that's where I, I am. Second in, one... I, I live in Coventry, Rhode Island. I know that race oh, well. Oh, awesome. Oh,
1: Awesome. That's so cool, um, and the second one is the Vermont City Marathon over Memorial Day weekend. Um, so that's those are two; those are the two races I'm signed up for, and they're both marathons. And I was talking to my coach when we were first trying to figure out my training plan and everything, and she told me, you know, really make one of them your big goal race because they're six weeks apart. Chances are. You know, you could, but you might not be able to make both of them super stellar, awesome, amazing races because they're so close to each other. So I would say keep Vermont City your goal and use Newport Marathon as your tune-up marathon. And I have no idea what that means. I haven't kind of asked her about that. I don't know how an entire marathon can be a (laughs) tune-up for another marathon. So a marathon is just a marathon for me right now. Like, it's hard. So...
0: That's great. That's great. We'll, I know exactly we'll what you mean. It. I was interviewing, yeah. I was interviewing Alyssa Kaufman um, after mm-hmm. she ran CIM and she, you know, said a PR and she was super pumped about it. And we talked about that because she did the same thing. She ran the New York city marathon, you know, six weeks out from CIM. Yeah. And again, it was like a tune up marathon. And for her, like she also ran like a Ragnar race a week later. She was just like a completely different animal from like anything I can relate to. But Mm -hmm. But she, she talked about that, how she went out and approached the marathon in a way, I should say the New York city marathon, the first one in a way that she viewed it as like just like a comfortably uncomfortable 20 mile run. So obviously it wasn't 20 miles, it was 26, but she viewed it as that like, all right, this is just going to be a 20 mile run. I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm not going to like have, I guess, have like an emotional tie to the times I will run and like. Of course, yeah. wouldn't you know it? She goes out and runs a PR, but right, but she didn't right. try to like kill herself in the last four miles. Exactly. To try to reach some arbitrary goal. Right. So right. So maybe, yeah.
1: maybe that's my, what mine will look like. We'll see.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I can I I still can't like wrap my head around it because a marathon is so so darn painful at any rate at any pace exactly. for me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there you go. Okay. Actually, one of the one of the women in, um, I shouldn't call it a running club, but my coach um, has, like, we have a running club, so to speak, um, called Training Joyfully. And one of the women in it, I think she, you know, she ran, like, I think she might have, like, won the, the Vermont City Marathon last year for women. But she ran, like, a super-duper yeah. time. So I, I know that she was, like, super excited about it. So I guess it's a, it's a really good marathon. And then the Newport one, that's beautiful. It's windy because uh-huh. you're on an island.
1: Yeah, You know, so it's right right along
0: the the Atlantic Ocean, but it really is a beautiful scenic run.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to do that. I ran Providence a couple years ago, um, and I liked it. And I'm the kind of person, once I run a marathon, I I tend to, you know, not want to run it again, Um, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because there are so many other ones out there, I just want to see what everything is like. So I'm really excited to do Newport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. Um, Before we get into the last set of questions, how can people find you online?
1: Um, So if you have an Instagram, I um, have a running Instagram account in my handle. I guess it's called is Elizabeth Healthy Life. Um, I also have a blog, which I update uh, periodically. Um, it's called Running for Robert, um, runningforrobert.com. And I believe that's it. I have Facebook, but that's not really super running related. Right. Uh, but Instagram and my blog.
0: And I'll have those in the show notes in case anyone is curious. And all right, so let, let's dive into it. So I think you've already given up the answer on this one. But if you're running, are you going headphones or no headphones?
1: Oh, uh, well usually headphones so occasionally I do like to run without them but headphones
0: okay and what are you listening to
1: um rap kanye west 50
0: cent <laughs> nice nice so is that is that is that cuz that's your those are your, like your favorite like bands or artists or is that more of like it gets you pumped up for running
1: it totally gets me pumped up <laughs>
0: Okay. All right. I have the same, excuse me. I I do the same thing with my, with my music mix. I usually listen to podcasts, but if I have music, it's always rap. So I can, I can relate to that. Um, all right. So for you, if you have, you can only one, you can only run one more race for the rest of your life, but you can run it every year. What race would it be?
1: Leadville trail marathon out in Colorado.
0: Really? Why that one?
1: Yes. Um, that is the one marathon my brother ran um, before he was killed. And he, it's the second hardest marathon in the country, takes you up and over three Colorado mountains. Robert plays 33rd overall. Whoa. And you face snow, mud, ice, 50 mile per hour winds. It's a killer, a monster, but it's amazing. So definitely that.
0: Okay. And conversely, <laughs> I mean, I'm. That's, that sounds great. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds awful, but I know some people love doing that, that, that extremely hard challenge. Um, yeah. And I've known about Leadville for a while because it's, you know, it's in a couple different books, and it's it's a very well-known race. And, uh, my goodness, especially it's like a mountain bike course, too. It's, it's a, yes. It really is amazing what they've been able to do up there. Um, yes. Conversely, what is a bucket list race for you that you're excited about uh, about getting done?
1: Um, I would love to run the Chicago marathon one day. I've been to Chicago once, but it was in high school and I just hear such great things about it. Um, so I want to qualify for that.
0: There you go. All right. And who you motivate a lot of people. That's for sure. And I think it's part of the reason that you have the following that you have, but mm-hmm. who are the people when you look around, uh, motivate you from a running perspective?
1: Um, My coach, Siobhan, she's a mountain runner, mountain ultra runner. She does 100-mile races out in Colorado in the mountains, so, like, Leadville times four. Um, She's definitely one of them. Um, Amanda Cruz, who I know you had on Rambling Runner a few months ago after CIM. Um, My brother, uh, you know. He was a runner himself in college, and like I just mentioned, he ran Leadville and did amazing for his only marathon. Uh, So I think those three people really motivate me the most.
0: Got it. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it, and I hope you uh, are able to kick butt in 2018. Thank
1: you so much, Matt.
0: All right. Talk to you later.
1: Bye.